You are now listening to the Film Frequency Podcast, hosted by your professionally unprofessional film critics, the Film Bros. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? We got the Andrew Bello in the building. We'll be talking about Spider-Man No Way Home, but I got to ask you, before we get into any of this, first of all, I have a god. A, a thunder in the building. So, so first Indeed. off, how how have you been, Bello? I'm good, man. Yeah, yeah. Life's life's all pretty good. I I like actually full disclosure. I might have the Rona right now. Like, oh, I, I've got, I got I got a little bit of chill thing going on. Not a whole lot else, but. I did also fall asleep next to my open window two nights ago, so I could have just very well given myself a fucking cold. But now you know how everything works out. You start thinking, you know, like I'm, I'm like, oh man, maybe I can't taste this as much as I couldn't taste it before. <laughs> you know, like you start fucking playing mind games with yourself. And uh, being that I'm often playing mind games with myself to begin with, now this is just adding another more complicating layer to it all. But I'm good, man. I, I'm going to see Spidey again yet uh, in theaters tonight. Uh, it'll be my fourth viewing, second one in theaters, uh, going with the Princess of Thunder, the Goddess of Thunder, and the future stepdaughter of Thunder. I guess I, I okay. will come up with a title, um, but yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a good time to be had. You know, we're all doing the New Year's Eve trying to stay up thing, and the uh, the Goddess of Thunder and I were like, hey, let's go take the kids to see Spidey. It'll at least kill three hours. <laughs> That's good. That's good, man. Uh, I it's just me. And alcohol, I don't have the kids tonight for New Year's because I had them for oh, Christmas no. Eve and Christmas. So it's literally me. Um, I got. I guess. I see. I can't call it that. It sounds weird. I was going to call it the red bearded goddess, but no, that doesn't. That does not sound. Yeah, you don't. Well yeah, you don't want a red bearded goddess. No, no, no. She may get on my ass <laughs> for that one. Um, but me, me and the goddess as well. We'll be chilling, man. But uh, yeah, copious amounts of alcohol. Maybe some other extracurriculars around here too. But you know, allegedly. That's, I'll leave oh, it at that. Allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Hey, sounds, sounds like a good night is going to be had by all. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Um, but, bro, so we got so many MCU projects this year. Um, and, uh, way that, too many. Well, yeah, way too many in some cases. Um, what Before we get into, like, the No Way Home and not to bury the lead or anything, do you feel at all like maybe it's starting to get to too much MCU? Yes, um, but I, I thought that was going to be the case, I think, you know, heading into phase four. Okay. Um, that said, I think, and we've talked about it before, is like there's all these different threads to the MCU now. And as long as like most of them are satisfying me, I'm like, OK, with not being happy with other ones like the whole the Marvels, uh, Miss Marvel, Secret Invasion, like other than Monica Rambo and Nick Fury, I don't have a whole lot of interest in anything going on in that sector of the MCU. But. Who knows? Maybe they'll surprise me. I'll watch it because they'll do little things that'll tie it into maybe some of the other properties that make it, you know, um, I guess appointment viewing. And uh, but but that said, like, I'm so happy about what's going on with Strange, with Spidey, Loki, uh, the Guardians and Thor is going to be like fire. That shit's going to take over the MCU for like two years uh, between the holiday special Guardians three and Thor four. Like, yes, sign me up for all of this. And uh, and there'll be another Loki. We're going to get Ant-Man three. So, yeah, there's enough going on here that I think overall I'm very happy with it. And I've got to say, I was not particularly like keen about this second generation of Avengers. Mm -hmm. So far, so good, man. I, I really I love Yelena. I love Kate Bishop. I think in in some ways they're almost upgrades to the to the previous characters. Yeah. And now. 
you know, we'll see what they do with the cap mantle or the, uh, you know, with, with, with Sam Wilson, obviously I did. We'll see how that plays out. The show was fine. As far as I'm concerned, very interested to see how that w- works in a movie. Um, and then, you know, Iron Man, we'll see what they do with Iron Heart and we'll, you know, there's, there's she Hulk will is kind of going to be the second generation there. We'll see how that works out and, and may Thor forever just be Thor, even though that's <laughs> obviously not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Especially now that Chris Hemsworth is finally starting to like, cause before like after Endgame, it was all like, no, I'm going to be doing this as long as they'll have me. Now he's starting to kind of say he's not necessarily, he's getting tired of it, but he wants to do other things. So you know, maybe the MCU becomes less of a priority for him, but we'll see how much success he has out of, outside of the MCU. But yeah, Helena is my favorite new character, period. Like, seeing yeah. her in Black, she was the best part of Black Widow. And then we got very little of her in Hawkeye, but she, her and her and Kate's dynamic is fuck, is right up there with anybody else's dynamic in, in the MCU to me. So. Uh, I. I was talking about this with somebody the other day. How long until they Wanda Yelena and drop that accent? Because yeah. I got to say, it was fine in the sh- in the movie to me. It seemed very much like it, it it belongs. She's from Russia. They're in Eastern Europe doing all this crazy stuff. Like, all right, fair enough. Her sitting down with Kate Bishop. As much as I love that scene, and I, and it was it was kind of weird. Uh, one of the YouTubers I watched described it as like you're expecting these two women to throw down and then they go into like a full blown Tarantino dialogue. And I was like, yeah. OK, yeah, I mean, that is kind of an interesting way that they did it. But that accent does feel very out of place whenever she's not talking to somebody who's obviously Russian or whatever. Like it, it just felt a little yeah. like she she's probably going to drop it in a property or two. I mean, yeah, it didn't stand on as Black Widow as much because there are a lot of Russian accents. Right. And then I, I think they threw in that line of. This is my first time in New York purposely to be like, all right, the more she's here in the state, she's going to start dropping that accent, yeah. that accent slowly. So, uh, yeah, because you, you got to drop that at some point. But she's fucking amazing. Um, but all right, we're here to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. I've already done a mini review on it, so I'm really going to let, let you have the most time to talk about this film. I have a couple of things I want to talk to you specifically about. Um, overarching as a as a uh, let's say that one for last as a trilogy last. This film, what were your initial thoughts after the first time that you saw it? Um, I, I walked out of that theater going like, I like this movie way too much. Like, I, you know, I try to be really objective about this sort of stuff. And I've, you know, you have got, I've got my running list of superheroes that are superhero movies that I've ranked. And I, I walked out of that theater and I was just like, this is the best fucking superhero movie that was ever made. And I, and I, I feel like it, I feel like that still holds up. Yeah. Like it's really, it's really, really hard for me to say otherwise. Now, I mean, we'll see what happens in the future here with Doctor Strange because there's already rumors that that shit's going to be even more bananas than this. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, to the to pay off twenty years of Spidey film going and and to do it in such like a, a awesome way, I laughed, I cried, like, and they did it in like a le- in a lesser period of time than certainly Infinity War and Endgame, which which was the only time I think I've really like had that level of emotion with any of these movies. As much as I've always liked the MCU, like uh, only until Morgan Stark asked Happy for a cheeseburger did I start fucking crying during these movies, crazy, and man. and now here I am with Spidey. Uh, and and like yeah man when 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 they go through that whole thing with great power comes great responsibility with the three Spider Men up on the top of the roof there like yeah dude that was that like that hit so hard I have no idea why these <laughs> like these are <laughs> these are fucking three goofballs playing a character from a comic book that are like they've they've been in movies and one of them was you know kind of the OG and one of them was kind of the forgotten middle brother and now you've got like the new guy and it's like the 
they're almost like brothers. They're not really like brothers. They're almost like, you know, they're, they're not really quite parallel universe type, you know, scenarios because they, all of their universes were somewhat different. But yeah, they, they, they just nailed it. And, and I think it's, you know, not only that, they, they managed to, to build the Spidey mythos. They managed to build a lot of stuff moving forward in the MCU. I think yeah. they've set up possibilities to see Toby and Andrew again. Mm-hmm. I think, as a matter of fact, that there was rumors that Toby was supposed to die in this movie. And the fact that he didn't leads me to believe that he's going to be coming back in Multiverse of Madness or Spider-Verse or a future Spider-Man movie or whatever the case may be. And then obviously we can maybe get into this sort of stuff later, but it sounds like Andrew might get amazing Spider-Man three out of this. And that's pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know (laughs) what they're going to do or how they're going to do it, but like, yeah, Andrew was amazing. Like he, he was amazing. And his Spider-Man is often shadow him because those movies weren't the best, but he was real. I liked his, his, his Spider-Man more than his Peter Parker, if that makes sense. But he was a really good Spider-Man. But yeah, this movie was honestly one of the few times where uh, a movie hit me emotionally, especially comic book movie. Yeah, seeing Tony die was definitely because we had seen that character for so long. But what they did in this one several times throughout the movie, when Aunt May died, like you said, the rooftop scene, and then the ending, the fact that they had the boss to end this movie on the note that they did, and yeah, you get to see Spider-Man swing again, but you in the back of your mind, you're thinking like, this Peter has no one. No one like I always wonder what the title No Way Home meant. I thought it was going to mean No Way Back to the MCU when everything happened in the way that it went down. But it's really he has no home now. He has no home. He's completely starting over. And that's crazy. And the fact that, like I said, they had the balls to do that and ended on that type of note is I think people I think that part is not being talked about enough because that takes a lot, a lot of confidence in your story to end it like that. Oh, for sure. I do. I I have to point out, though, considering you you pointed out the ending there and you get him see him swinging one more time. Mm-hmm. The fact that they did not include a swinging Spider-Man in the finale of Hawkeye in the background somewhere <laughs> is a fucking travesty. They they should be ashamed of themselves. They literally had the ending scene of Spider-Man and the fun and like the big finale in the fight place. in Hawkeye in the exact same location. And they yeah. decided to just pass up on that opportunity. That was that was awful. But um, yeah, yeah. Overall, with the with with Spider-Man, I mean, I also kind of thought it did a lot of fan service as far as like you get the Spideys and you get the interactions and you get the callbacks and, you know, Andrew's still haunted by Gwen's death and and, and Toby's kind of made it through his dark time. And now he's here to try to be like the mentor and all this kind of stuff. And all of that was great, too. But there was also like almost like meta textual shit going on between Sony and Marvel throughout the course of this movie, (laughs) which was like, oh, my God. All right. So so Peter disarms Doc like. Uh, Doc Ock, like immediately, like, he, he basically just like he uses fucking Bluetooth to defeat Doc Ock, and it was almost like Marvel saying, like, yeah, our Spider-Man does like real hero shit. Like your Spider-Man, your Spider-Man of the past, were worried about like this guy. Like the, our Spider-Man fights Thanos. Okay, you you guys can you guys can pretend your Spider-Man was on some some serious comic book shit, which I guess they were. But it's like, yeah, no, this Spider-Man in the MCU is dealing with way bigger problems yeah. than any previous Sony Spider-Man. And they wanted to just kind of quickly remind Sony, like, yeah, all of those villains that you guys have the rights to, you can have them. It's cool. We got plenty of villains over here. <laughs> <laughs> and Spidey will fight all of them and it'll be glorious. Um, and then you get kind of towards the end. Now, Spider-Man has no attachment to any characters from the MCU. So Sony mm-hmm. just decides to pluck them back. 
no continuity is ruined in the MCU moving forward, like at all. They could just reclaim them. I, I thought that was kind of like an interesting way to, to end things because it really does leave Disney vulnerable now um, where I'm sure they have an agreement. We've yeah. seen Sony pull out of agreements before, so yeah. it's not as if this is a, this is a written in stone unless perhaps it, it is literally written in stone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't mess with the mouse. Well, the fact that Feige has already come out and said they'll be working on the next one together leads me to believe, all right, they're, they're pretty confident because Feige usually doesn't talk on anything um, until it, it till it's already announced, but uh, I, that's an interesting point. Like when you think, because I hadn't thought about it from that way. At literally every major villain from Spider-Man films were dealt with pretty easily in this one, and it's like, yeah, your your Spider-Man took whole movies to beat these guys. Tom, thirty minutes. All these motherfuckers <laughs> are wrapped up, uh, except <laughs> except of course Green Goblin. So that's where I want to go to next. What do you think about them? How they portrayed the Green Goblin in this one, and the fact that like. They've now confirmed. Uh, Kevin Feige's also come out and said Norman Osborn does not uh, exist in the MCU, which is crazy. What do you think about how they use uh, Norman Osborn in this movie? And then shout out to William Defoe, uh, not playing a role for twenty years almost, and coming back and it seeming seamless. Like you would think he played this guy last year. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was that was quite spectacular. And I thought they did a really good job with with everything about how the goblin entered even from from him going instead of all the rest of them causing all sorts of havoc he norman i guess like the the more tame of the personalities and just like ends up walking into like a homeless shelter basically trying to find help in some sort he's wearing a purple hoodie and a green you know like a and a green vest or vice versa green vest and a, and a purple kind of hoodie uh but you know very very much akin to the to the goblin attire in the comics and all that kind of stuff so that was really cool and then as the goblin starts to to appear, first and foremost, Willem Dafoe does such a spectacular job of drawing a delineation between those two. Like you can tell yeah. within a couple of words in a sentence, like, oh, he's the goblin. And he changes like, his whole body language is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. And that scene where where Tom is like punching him and he's just laughing at him. Like it was very much like like kind of like the Dark Knight scene where uh, you know, Batman's beating up Joker and Joker's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, you're hurting me. Like, that's, you know, that's that's not the game I'm playing. man. I'm on like I'm on a whole nother level here. Um, and then you got Goblin doing the same thing. And that fight scene was dope. Where he's like slamming him through. You know, I don't think we ever really got a full um, like really understanding fight. of just how strong yeah. Norman Osborn really is in the MCU. And if, I mean, in the, in the previous movies, and even if you did, he was almost always wearing that suit. So you can almost like attribute it to that, but like, no, like Norman Osborn, the green goblin without any technology ha is basically like a super soldier. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it was very cool for them to kind of display that the way that they did. Yeah. Yeah. That, that green goblin was fucking amazing in this film. I, it does, because Norman Osborn plays such a, a major part and just like he could be for the Avengers and everything else. But I, I understand that they probably didn't want to have as many threads left in the MCU with this one, just in case there's ever a split. But uh, just sucks that Norman Osborn doesn't exist in the MCU. Um, but with that being said. Uh, after this and again, you know, this comic book movies are so different now. I think we have to give William Defoe as at least top five comic book villains of all time. Movie. Villains. I think that's yeah. I think that's fair. I mean, as far as villains go, yeah, um, William Defoe definitely up there. I mean, yeah, Thanos will will, will forever be one of the top five. I yeah. think, but man, that's an interesting list that I'm gonna have to now work on. Thank you for, for <laughs> giving yeah. for, for 
causing me sleepless nights for the next week or <laughs> and, so. And then you'll but, have to probably yeah. make an edit too once we actually see Kang actually in the MCU and what Kang looks like. Because that's yeah, James yeah. Massey. He's gonna. I I think he's gonna have a, a transcendent performance. Just in like the difference, like how many ver- different versions of Kang are we gonna see? But on top of that, just I really do trust it's gonna be an amazing performance. So. I, I think so too. I mean, especially given that last episode of Loki, like, oh, like right, you're they're building up a whole series, and you're kind of thinking like, oh, this conclusion is going to be like crazy, and it was yeah. just like a fucking conversation, but it was enthralling. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the whole conversation, you're like, what is the what? Wait, wait, yeah. all right. So this guy, so so this is almost like a good Kang. And we don't want to see the bad Kangs. <laughs> I mean, oh, contraire, mon frere. I want to see the bad Kangs. I want to see all the bad Kangs. Yeah, I want to see be, them fucking up timelines left and right. <laughs> yeah, and then, like, the whole that whole last episode of Loki is just a conversation room. Yeah. Like, and it's an amazing one. And he's so entertaining throughout it all. But uh, I know we're not here to talk about that. Here's, here's one, one thing that I do. So we talked about the villain. Let's talk about uh, Tom Holland. Do you think... Because I've read some of this online. I won't say people have gone really hard on it, but I think it's an interesting thing to talk about. What he did here, is that one of the most stupid decisions in all of comic book movies? Because when you think about it, he doesn't know if sending these guys back, if it's going to save their life. He doesn't even know if things are going to revert back. He put all of existence, right? Not just him, not just all of existence in, in question there trying to save people that he doesn't know what's going to happen to him when he's sent back. And then on top of that, not only did he lose his aunt, but now he's lost everyone that he loves all because of yeah. that decision, not just to send them back. The movie could have been over in 40 minutes. I think that, yeah, that's probably true. <laughs> I mean, that could be said of a lot of movies, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think in, in the end, while yeah, he lost Ned and MJ, I think to a degree, like he, kind of always knew he was going to lose Ned and MJ, right? Mm. Like, especially, I mean, maybe he didn't have a full-blown conversation with the other Spideys about it, but it's entirely possible that off-screen they could have. Where it's like, they, you know, if Andrew had actually left Gwen alone at the end of Amazing Spider-Man 1, she'd be alive today. If Toby, you know, um, in his universe had to, you know... didn't try to be Spider-Man maybe, or, or had, had done a better job of hiding his identity. Aunt May would be alive over there because Norman was able to find her. So it's like, yeah, there's, there's, there's an element of Spider-Man is always going to have to give up something in order to be Spider-Man. I think Andrew's kind of reconciled that. And Toby, for whatever reason, has managed to find a way to make it work in his universe. Like no one will really know how or why I don't think, but, um, it's, it's just kind of nice. I think we all just wanted to hear that, that like him and MJ got together and they have kids and they're happy. Um, but, but, you know, I think, I think Tom Holland's Spider-Man akin to pretty much all Spider-Men have ever come before him was going to have to just let it go. Like let his friends and family kind of go, in, in one way or another in order to protect them. And I think he's, he's, he's fine with that decision ultimately. Yeah. And I like how the, in many ways, Tom Holland, Spider-Man lost what each spider, other Spider-Man lost individually. When you think of Toby Spider-Man, he lost Harry. He saw Harry die. Like they did reconcile, yeah. but his best friend died. Andrews Spider-Man lost Gwen, which is his, his MJ. So this Tom Holland Spider-Man lost his best friend and his woman in a way. Um, I do like what this can bring into future because they have to bring Felicia Hardy. We have to see Black Cat in in the, in the next. All one. right, you have. To, All have right, to see I'm, I'm very glad you got down this road because yeah, what where where does the next Spider-Man trilogy take us? Right, I, I think we could safely assume he ends up in college. Yeah. Right, eventually he's studying for the GED. We could see that at the end of of, far, of, of No Way Home. 
he ends up in college. And that is probably our next trilogy is like three years of Peter Parker trying to navigate college as Spider-Man. I think it would be really cool given that we don't have an Oscorp and like we don't have a lot of components from from what would probably be considered Sony properties. I I think it would be kind of cool if they did um, like a Horizon High, except Mm. now it's Horizon, except it's Horizon U. I mean, it, it, even in like the 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 amazing Spider-Man or the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon and in some of the comics, it was always like a high school, but it had dorms like people stayed there. Like it was kind of like a, a an interesting atmosphere. So let's make it into a college. He meets his Gwen Stacy. He meets his Harry Osborn. He meets his blah, blah, blah. And you can you can kind of have him meet this whole new cast of characters. Uh, I, I watched all the cartoon stuff with with my daughter over time. And there's a lot of really good shit like in these in the and i'm sure a lot of it comes from the comics but uh-huh. he, he meets like a whole new cast of people and you've got like people like anya who becomes like spider girl and like all these like different characters that kind of get thrown into the mix and i and he is going to basically have to rebuild the social structure so it would make sense for him to now walk into a college and meet a bunch of brand new people that kind of become his his social circle and yeah felicia hardy would be perfect and it would be it would be perfect from the aspect of like if you get her to come in and if they cast her properly and she's like a smoking hot blonde, like not like the girl that they tried to cast her in in, in in Amazing Spider-Man or whatever it is. Now you've got Peter. He's still in love with MJ. MJ doesn't even fucking know who he is. He's trying to navigate college and be Spider-Man. He's got the smoking hot blonde chick who's trying to get in his pants and he doesn't really know how to handle any of this. Yes, that makes for a great movie. I'm all in. Here's my thought on the on the next trilogy, and this may not be a pop. So we know that part of the Ven- Venom symbiote was left over. So they're going to be bringing in some form of of Venom. Um, I would like to see the next movie be, like you said, Spider in col- Spider-Man in college. He meets Felicia Hardy. Felicia Hardy's being black cat. He doesn't know. Somehow they get like a type of a, a Batman Catwoman type thing. Um, but I really do hope the next villain, I know it's like easy to think it's going to be Venom right away, but I hope it's Craven the Hunter. Because seeing Spider-Man already l- alone to his own devices, him learning to be Spider-Man now without technology and having Craven the Hunter come after him full force would be a very interesting at least first movie and i and i really hope they don't bring mj and ned back into maybe halfway through the second film in the new trilogy i really want to feel the loss of mj and ned for the whole him feeling alone for a whole movie before we see them again yeah i i think that would be kind of a cool element to not bring them back until later in the trilogy same thing with venom too i think like you can you can tease venom in post-credit scenes from now until maybe the seventh movie right like you yeah. can you could keep going you could just kind of oh he made it from that little splotch on the bar now he's in that bartender guy that bartender guy is like going to like the, i don't know the stark expo or some nonsense and he ends up like bumping it but you could kind of like keep passing that along in post-credit scenes until you're ready for there to be an actual Venom yeah. uh, in the MCU because I I, th- I like the idea of Craven, but I think Sony's doing a Craven movie with Aaron Taylor Johnson, oh, so right. unless it's going to be you're that right. same Craven, which they could do now, I mean, uh, who knows? I, I, you know, I would like to think that I think everybody at Sony and Marvel's figured out, like, it just makes sense for us to work together. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, like, they're the last studio that has any Marvel character, so at this point it just makes you open the door to so much better storytelling if they just continue to work together. So, but I would, I wouldn't mind seeing Aaron Taylor Johnson as Craven, even in the MCU. I think it would be yeah. distinct enough from the Quicksilver character to where no one would ever really, you know, question maybe one, maybe Deadpool comes in and it's like, Hey, you look familiar. Like, and then that's the end of that. Yeah. Um, but you know, that, that sort of thing would be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, like the idea of Craven, especially like you said, with Spidey no longer being, 
um, no longer being so technologically driven and he's getting on the people and, uh, and, and kind of use that moving forward. So that would be cool. Definitely want to see Felicia Hardy, but there is one thing I, I need to see in this next trilogy. And I think it would be like a perfect, like second movie for the trilogy. They got to do spider Island in the MCU. Mm. I think that would be the most ridiculous thing to be going to watch a movie in like IMAX. You got like Peter's there. You got all these fucking people swinging in the background. Cause they just magically found spider powers. Like, <laughs> like that would be so cool. I think I would, I would want to see that. And I think like maybe, maybe that's something you delay until like VR is like readily available in movie theaters. Cause that would make it even more ridiculous. Sure, but, sure. uh, but yeah, I need, I need to see spider Island. I need like somebody and John Watts seems as qualified as any given the last three movies. To, to kind of just come in and be like, all right, everyone in Manhattan's got superpowers now. They've all got spider powers. Peter's got to pretend that he's just getting them for the first time. It's very funny. Um, yeah. and, and there's like a whole bunch of nonsense going on. And then, yeah, maybe then they, they start tying in because uh, they did do it in the cartoon. And that's when like Anya becomes spider girl. Like she just never got healed from it and like a couple of other random things. So it would be cool to, for them to do something like that. I, I need this to see it. Yeah, that, that, that would be cool. I'll, I wonder how that would be executed in film, though. Like, that Spider Island would be fucking fun as hell to see. Um, yeah. But uh, what was I going to say? Okay, next thing I was going to go into. So we did get the return of Matt Murdock in this in this movie. Very brief scene. Oh, but a scene yeah. that was awesome nonetheless. Do you think that they're setting that up for him to come back in another Spider? Because think about it this way. If Marvel doesn't want to use the Doctor Strange, of course, Iron Man level superheroes anymore, because now Peter is going to be a more street level uh, superhero, would it not make sense for him to hook up with the Devil of Hell's Kitchen to take down Kingpin? Now, I don't like the way that they did Kingpin and, and Hawkeye at all. I really hope that they repair that because that pissed me off. But I wouldn't mind seeing Daredevil show up in a and it, it's really you're playing with house money at that point because. MCU hasn't used him in any other film, so it would be a nice little connection there. Maybe a person that Spider-Man can go to for some advice. Yeah, I, I think so. I think if, if you're going to see Matt Murdock in movies moving forward, it will be in appearances like Spider-Man, like maybe like, you know, I don't know, Deadpool, like more street level kind of stuff. Like you said, like you could see him kind of at least having a little cameos akin to the one we saw in No Way Home. I don't think, unfortunately, Charlie Cox is ever going to get a Daredevil movie in the MCU, which is which is just a travesty. But uh, if they can get a lot of the showrunners of people back from Netflix and give them a, a quality show on Disney Plus, I think we can all be all right with that. Uh, frankly, I've already gotten more Charlie Cox in the MCU than I ever thought I would get. Uh, I, I definitely freaked out when he grabbed that brick. I was like, oh, man, that's just so cool. And you can even see that Peter was was also going to catch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but he was like faster Murdoch's than Peter. He was, he was faster than crazy. Peter. Yeah. That, that's a pretty intense thing uh, for, for them to kind of bring in, like, hey, this guy who you kind of already know who he is, but, like, we're going to establish that his power set is already, like, on a crazy level by just doing something like that. Like, yeah, he beat the Peter Tingle to the brick. That's, that's, and he's fucking blind, supposedly, right? <laughs> so this is all magical. Um, but, yeah, having him in there. Is, is pretty cool. There are a lot of rumors out there that we're going to see a lot of Charlie Cox. We're going to see him. Obviously, we saw him in No Way Home. We're going to see him in She-Hulk. Uh, we will probably. 
Uh, we will definitely see him in Echo, which is basically going to be like Daredevil season four from the basically, way I understand yeah. it. Is that they're they're going to have a lot of people in there. They're going to bring everybody who wanted to see more Daredevil into this show, which no one asked for. I actually Zero read something. Zero people asked for Echo. So I read something and this was, I don't know if it was substantiated. I think it was on like a blog or something that the Echo may just be the working title to hide it and it may get reannounced as an actual Daredevil show. And if that fucking happens... Sign me up, man. I love Charlie Cox. My, so my daughter never got to see the Daredevil uh, Netflix shows. And so after seeing Spider-Man, she was asking, like, who the lawyer character was. I was like, oh, that's Daredevil. She's like, I don't know who that is. So we've been rewatching Daredevil on Netflix for the last week. And yeah. she is completely on board now. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's awesome. I'm, I'm going to be actually watching it. We just watched episode one, season one. Uh, me and me and the lady the other I night. I forgot yeah, how amazing that show was, bro. That show is so good. Man. It's the it, That's the best freaking superhero show i think that's ever been made it's it's so good it hits yeah. so many notes even season three is lacking but it's still like holds up but i can't wait to get back to that finale shows. in season three because that three-way fight that they had at the end is some of the most amazing choreography like throughout the daredevil show but that yeah yeah Oh, what is it like episode four every season? There's like a, the long hallway yeah. fight. It's yeah. like, it's perfect. Oh, they're always so good. You know, they're coming and they're still always awesome. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Charlie Cox in the MCU, man. That's we live in a, a special, special time. So. We do. And now. All right. So where do, where does it end? Right. So we're going to we've seen Kingpin. We've seen Charlie Cox. We're mm-hmm. probably going to see Jessica Jones. It sounds like there's there's yeah. some rumors that she's coming back. I think it's pretty. It, it would it would be such a bummer if John Barenthal didn't get another shot at Punisher too. So well, it's like how? Oh, so did you? So I've I've really been like heavily. I used to stay away from MCU rumors for like for a while, but like I've been really back reading a lot of this. So like he's been making comments as well, and he's talking about he's like been talking about like well if they were to bring it back, this is how they would do it. And for him to be talking like that leads me to believe that there's already been some conversation. on yeah, I I think once well, it, you know, it's kind of like a ripple effect, and and this I'll get back to the Sony the universe too in a minute. But it's like yeah, once you get Charlie Cox in the door, and now you've got Vincent D'Onofrio in the door, like it seems like almost everybody from the Netflix universe is in play now, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it would be. Do I expect them to recast Danny Rand and Luke Cage necessarily the way? But I, I honestly, I thought Luke Cage was fine. Cage, I don't see Mike who they Holter would. Was great. Yeah, but all right. So Danny Rand was kind of the big, the, the big one. No one really cared about. Do they bring him back for the sake of continuity? Do they recast that one character? Like you know, it, it seems kind of odd. Yeah. But even with Sony, like now, now you've got like I said, to- Toby was supposedly supposed to die at the end of the movie. He didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Andrew, that whole conversation about like, oh well, I only ever fought a guy in a rhino suit. Like these guys fought aliens. Well, now it would be pretty sweet if, like, he ended up back in Amazing Spider-Man 3 fighting Venom. Uh, you know, that's that's entirely possible. And Venom was, and only, was teased in Amazing Spider-Man 2, so. He was teased in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. And it's almost like now you can almost assume Andrew is definitely coming back in some sort of Spider-Man property because the rumors just came out this week that Sony reached out to, to Emma Stone to see if she'd be interested in reprising Gwen Stacy, which, first and foremost, as you know, I would lose my shit to see <laughs> Emma Stone as Gwen Stacy. It's just something I've always wanted since like the first Spider-Man, yeah. Amazing Spider-Man. So it, the fact that that's even like a rumor would suggest that Andrew's definitely on board. 
Well, right, the thing, like because they wouldn't call her to do it if Andrew wasn't going to do it, and, and the, if they weren't doing a movie, why would they call either one of them? And the thing is, is I think we're going to see a lot of what they do once Morbius comes out. And the reason why I say that is, so we have Michael Keaton's Vulture, right, who is clearly mm-hmm. in the MCU. We have Morbius, who we don't like. He well, he references Venom in one of the trailers, so he's clearly also in Venom's universe, which Venom now, as we've seen, is not the MCU. So, like, what if? They use the side characters in these villain movies to tell a story about like who's to say that everybody went back to their right their the correct universe. What if we have these dis- displaced Spider Man or these displaced villains in like another new pocket Sony universe where like all these things are kind of coming together? That sounds wonderful. That's yeah. a really good way of looking at it. Is that yeah, you're right. Not necessarily everybody might have made it back to the right universe. Morbius. I, I mean, maybe maybe Michael Keaton just plays Vulture in every universe. Maybe that's that's, that's the only that's the only way that works. Uh, except for that one universe where John Malkovich plays him. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was for, the Raimi universe. Yeah, that, that's it. Um, but yeah, that, that that. I mean, it's it would be very very cool to see Andrew back in any capacity, really. Like especially given this performance in this movie, but for him to go now back, maybe him and Tom Hardy's. Venom, who were maybe in separate universes to begin with, but now get pulled back into the same universe. And I, I think it's safe to say that Tom Hardy's Venom, when he gets back to whatever uh, his universe or wherever universe he ends up, he's going to New York and he's yeah. going to go try and find and talk to Spider-Man, whoever that Spider-Man may be. And, and you know, maybe he's expecting Tom Holland, but he gets Andrew Garfield. And now we're off to the races with the might amazing Spider-Man three or Venom three, which there are rumors now is going to have some sort of multiversal capacity to it because Sony and Marvel are going to fuck this up. Let's face it. I I love it. They're going to find a way to fuck this up. Like Sony had no idea that people could had a capacity for more than one Spider-Man up until this movie. I don't know why they didn't consider it into the Spider-Verse. They should that should have told them, all right, we can do this. Yeah, yeah, especially given into the Spider Verse, but like even just the comics alone, there's like a bajillion Spider People, and people go buy all those comics. Um, well, at least they buy the Peter Parker and maybe the Miles Morales ones, but neither neither here nor there at the moment. But yeah, you get the um, you get kind of just this massive Spider breakout now where it's like oh we can people can handle more than one spider-man well now we're gonna make a fucking toby mcguire spider-man 4 we're gonna make an andrew garfield spider-man 3 we're gonna give emma stone her own fucking franchise the spider gwen we're gonna we're gonna like just just do now they're gonna sony's gonna find a way to beat us to death with spider people oh yeah they come on they're already doing it with like spider-man villains the fact that we got venom we got a craven movie coming they they announced another one is it a Oh, uh, uh, Jessica Drew, a Spider Woman movie's coming as well. Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of Spider. Is that the one Olivia coming. Wilde is directing? Yes. Okay, that'd yes. be interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's, so the Sony's absolutely like, and I think it's gonna take for them to finally get a flop, and Marvel's gonna be like, all right, now, can you please just listen to us? Like, we're glad that you went off and you had your fun. You failed now. Can you please just just get on board, get fully on board? Um, but uh. Yeah. Okay. Let's get back to this movie. I know we got completely sidetracked. Oh man, but, we're gonna. It's just gonna keep happening. <laughs> I mean, it's a multiverse movie, so there's so many threads it's that we true. can go down. Let's talk about some of the lesser villains. Uh, first off, the two that get probably the least amount of screen time: Lizard and Sandman. What did you think about? Them? 
I, I, you know, it is funny. The the lizard thing, it almost kind of felt like a, like the Power Stone, right? Like it, it already happened <laughs> off screen before we even really got a grasp to know what, what the hell is going on. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, obviously the lizard was probably like the least exciting of all of the characters. So yeah, you would expect him to kind of get like the least amount of screen time. Um, but his conversations with the... Uh, like him, him making fun of the Jamie Foxx looks completely different, yeah. and, and that kind of thing was was interesting. I mean, it was good little dialogue, and it didn't even necessarily like fill the plot hole, but it was just kind of fun to for somebody to like acknowledge, like, okay, you're not blue, you don't look like a dweeb because you're Jamie Foxx, and you weren't going to do the movie if you had to look like that again. <laughs> and we needed you, so here we are. Like, and that's yeah. fine. He, he was great throughout this movie. Uh, that, 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 but, but let me get back before I get onto the electro, um, Sandman, Sandman was, was kind of interesting, right? He pops up and he immediately like he sees Peter and he wants to help Peter, yep. which is very different from Doc Ock who ended his run in the Raimi universe and was like on board was like helping Peter, but that he got was, like, pulled in he- before then. So he got yes. pulled in like still when he was about to kill him. So it makes sense. But yeah, go ahead. That so. is kind of Yeah. But it was kind of weird that it was like in the d- different universes, different guys got pulled in in different ways at different points. And it, it didn't really make a whole ton of sense. If you really try to think about it, it'll drive you crazy. Um, but the same man was, was very cool because, you know, he, he at first wants to help Peter. And then all of a sudden he, he kind of realizes like, well, if this isn't my Peter, maybe I don't have the same sort of relationship with him here, you know, yeah. and that was. That was kind of interesting, and seeing him the big fight scenes like at the end it was was very cool. Like the the way that they portrayed Electro and the Sandman in particular in that big final battle, I thought was 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 pretty epic and and very much redeeming of kind of the the lackluster endings both of those characters had in their universes. For sure, for sure. I, I, I and this the the scene with Sandman surrounding Electro was beautiful. Like that was a fucking yeah. beautiful scene, and I love the way that they where they decided to have that battle at. But yeah, Lizard. He was funny, right? He wasn't as much as a of a presence as I thought he was going to be initially coming into the movie because you would think like he would he would be able to have some really good fight scene. I thought each one of these villains was going to get like a one one on one fight with Tom Holland's part. Spider Man really yeah. didn't happen that way. The fact that he just showed up, he was already locked in. It's like all right, um, Sandman. He was funny, right? He was to me like he was. I mean, it was cool having him there and like, but he didn't. He didn't really add a lot to the story. And like, it was kind of confusing towards the end for me because he goes from, he just wants to go home, right? Cause he wants to get to his daughter. But then he shows up at the fight scene on the villain side when they want to destroy the thing. So they can't get back home. So it's just, it's a little bit confusing there, but if you don't think about it too much, it all works, but you said it, we got to get into Jamie Foxx, the most redeemed character of all this shit, as far as villains, because he was badass here. I love that he had more personality. I like that the dweebness was gone. What did you think about Jamie Foxx in this film? Oh, yeah. I mean, all of that was cool. And like I said, like we didn't really get an explanation for it, but it's yeah. it's fine. Like we it, it, it works out and we got a much better version of Electro in this universe. Plus a fucking Stark reactor. Plus a Stark reactor. Like, oh, this dude just shows up flashing like lightning bolts. Like, hey, how you doing? Like yeah. that. It was it was just a way cooler thing. Plus, you got the whole star electric bolt kind of mask kind of thing yeah. that pops up, which is very much akin to like the comic version of the character. I thought, I thought it was a, it was a massive upgrade. Um, it, it was just kind of, it was cool to see that character done. I don't know, properly, but better, like yeah. way significantly better, uh, than the, than the previous iteration. I, I never quite fully understood why they did the blue man thing. Like it just, 
didn't really make a lot of sense to me, but this version felt right. And, uh, it will probably make me forget about the old one. I hope I look forward to some studious person on the internet, like making a, an amazing Spider-Man two version where this electro is in it. <laughs> and somehow, like, somehow finding a way to edit this Jamie Foxx into that movie. I'm sure somebody will do that shit. That, that, that but electro was great, man. Um, MJ and Ned in this movie. What do you think about Hey, Ned having magic? Do you think that that's it's so they throw throughout the line in this in which Ned found out that uh, Toby's Peter uh, Spider-Man's best friend turned on him and he promised Tom Holland. Wait, did I say it right? No, you got it. I'm just laughing at the whole scenario. Yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, he promised Tom Holland Spider-Man that he wasn't going to turn into a supervillain and turn on him. But now that they don't know each other. Is that a way that Ned can come back into it? Maybe in college, and he lost a hundred pounds for this role. Shout out to him. If they say that he's gonna, they're going to bring him back as a hobgoblin that has like magic type powers, and he is a villain, it would now make sense because he doesn't have that history with Peter. That that would be very interesting. If they, especially given Tom Holland would like be trying to explain to him, like, nah, man, we were best friends. Like, I know you don't remember. Like, like, stop trying to punch, stop trying to punch me in the face, Ned. Um, but yeah, whatever, whatever the case may be, I do think that that magic thing has some significance, right? I don't mm-hmm. think that they just threw that in there just to give Jacob Adelon like a little something in the movie. Like, I, just, I have a I don't theory th- I'm going to throw at you at the end of this too. By the way, I, I, I think we might be on the same page because my my theory is that like eventually somewhere down the line, like Ned will do something magical mm. by accident, maybe. And then uh, some sort of sorcerer will show up and be like, hey, you've got magic powers. And they'll start explaining stuff to him. And then they will explain, like, by the way, yeah. <laughs> like, you happen to be Spider-Man's best friend. Doctor Strange had to cast a spell, blah, blah, blah. We know all of this now because Multiverse of Madness has occurred. Yeah. Because I think, in the, I think in Multiverse of Madness, like, they're going to show up and be like, Strange, what the fuck did you do to the multiverse? And he's going to be like, I have no idea because he, too, forgot, forgot that Peter Parker was yeah. Spider-Man and he forgot that he ever tore into the multiverse And I love that if you look at the end of that movie, after the spell's done and he looks around, he's looking around like, what the fuck just happened? Yeah, what am I doing? Yeah, here? yeah. So it's not like that look like, okay, did the spell work? It's literally that look on his face of confusion like, what the fuck? When did I get here to the fucking Statue of Liberty? So, um... But I so this is my theory, and this may go completely fucking left. Um, okay, all right. My theory on this is I, this is so this is a multi-layer theory, and any part of this could not happen, and the other parts still work. But keep in mind here, Wong, uh, Wong is now the Sorcerer Supreme. Okay, Wong to me, in my theory is going to die in the Multiverse of Madness. <sighs> Why? So they're going to need new recruits. <laughs> so Ned is because hey. Strange has to get the title of Sorcerer Supreme back in some type of way. That's Ned, probably true. Ned's yeah. going to be a new sorcerer. He's going to get trained and everything. In the course of, of learning magic, he's going to find out those memories and it's going to turn him against Peter. Oh, so he gets his memories back and this turns him against Peter turns somehow. Because he was like, because he like turned, because Peter turned him away, basically. Yeah. Like, was yeah. like, ah, okay. Because think like about that. it, yeah. the last thing he promises them is, I'm going to find you. You won't remember me, but I'm going to find you. Oh, wow. And he doesn't. Well, he so, does. He does, but he, he chooses not to, not to. Well, and then that was a weird line either. I'm going to find you. Like, he, he knows where they live. Like, just show up at their house. But nonetheless, like, he doesn't, he doesn't tell them what happened. So, weird, yeah. a weird theory, again, that probably won't happen. MCU's way less convoluted than that. But it's just theory that I have. 
I like that. Yeah, I do think that, like like I said, the magic in some way is going to tie back to if it, frankly, I kind of would like to see them just never show up again, almost in a way. Like, it just looks like, yeah, would, it'd be great to see Peter and MJ get back together. But yeah. like, I don't know. It's like a, it, They may, they may never bring them back. That would sell that, that theme of Lost Barrier or maybe the last scene, much like with Cap and Peggy, the last scene of the last new Spider-Man trilogy movie is him meeting MJ, naturally. Him just meeting MJ. That would be cool, right? Like, like she just bumps into him somewhere or something. And something she says, like that. "Hey, like, Tiger," and that's the end of. Ah, uh, dude, that would be that would be pretty cool. All right, I, yeah. I can get on board with all of that. But so, yeah, remember this: I mean, eight years from now, when we get the last of the new trilogy, you like. <laughs> That's yeah. another thing too that's sort of interesting out there. You got Tom Holland is uh, he's he's made he's sent a lot of mixed messages about his future in the MCU, right? Like you've had Amy Pascal come out and say basically like yeah, there's gonna be a new trilogy and yeah, it's gonna be Tom Holland, but she says shit all the time that like she has no actual backing for. Yeah. I think she does it to put it out in the ether and then she's kind of got Marvel by the balls. Yeah. Um, but Tom Holland said he doesn't want to play Spider Man past thirty. He's like twenty five, so they better start shooting these fucking movies fast. <laughs> but yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? That that makes that that's a, that's a lot of contradiction there because I don't see them getting a whole trilogy of Spider Man well, movies. Well, another in the theory. Next I have a lot of theories with this shit. Right? Because my, my mind has it. literally been going since seeing this movie uh, both times. What if this the third movie in this trilogy? Because even Tom Holland said, "Hey, maybe it's time to start telling Miles Morales stories." Is a Miles Peter movie. And then Peter does retire as Spider-Man because he has Miles now. And again, then maybe he goes and finds MJ. That would be cool. I could, that would be a very good conclusion. Uh, yeah. There was some rumors early on, uh, granted, given the math of, of the age thing that I just mentioned, this seems highly unlikely now, but there was rumors that originally the plan was for there to be three trilogies and that you would get like a high school trilogy, you'd get a college trilogy, and then you'd get like a, a maybe like a Parker Industries trilogy, right? Like you get like something where he's like older and he's established and he's got his own thing going on. Um, but that, like, again, that seems highly unlikely. So if we can assume that the the final movie for Tom Holland Spider-Man is going to be Spider-Man six in the MCU, whatever that ends up being. Uh, yeah, that would be very cool for him to pass off the, uh, the baton to miles. But I, I would, I would really like them to establish miles a bit more than like, Hey, we've gotten to the sixth movie. And now this Spider-Man character, this other Spider-Man character has kind of randomly shown up and now he's going to, you know, he's going to take over the mantle sort of for, for the MCU be, Spider-Man. He would have to be introduced in either, the the first movie of the next trilogy or at least the second movie in the next trilogy before taking over in the third movie in the next trilogy he, they have to introduce him early well part of part of my theory i guess part of part of maybe not my theory necessarily but an idea that could definitely work is that if let's let's say there was a miles morales character who was already established like like the one from into the spider-verse mm. what if like what if the spider-man kind of like the the into the spider verse or across the spider verse part two let's say you know the the third movie in that in that weird sort of trilogy involves some of the live action spider man and maybe tom and toby and andrew show up in the animated version but the end of that movie ends up with miles in the live action version and that and, would fit the comics because miles started off in the ultimate universe and came over to the main mcu so yep you got, you got points would. there that would be pretty cool because that way you don't really have to go nuts trying to establish him in the MCU as kind of a background character. You've got a Miles Morales who's been established now. He's got two or three movies under his belt. I like that a lot. You're, you're, we're on it with these theories. Some, one of these got to stick, right? One of, one of these got to stick. Eventually. Um, get, getting back to No Way Home, one of the things that I like the most about this movie is that each act in this movie has its own tone. 
first act is very much a fun tone, you know, trying to figure it out, uh, dealing with the fallout of the last movie. The second movie is is it takes on a little bit of a darker tone, but it's really Peter. All right. I brought these guys over. It becomes more of a, of a straightforward comic book movie. And then the third act is really just this dark, sad, depressing after loss. Like, yeah, you get fun times between all three spider scenes, of, that scene of all three Spider-Men together. But it really becomes like this really sad <laughs> type theme afterwards. What do you think about that and the structure of the film itself? Yeah, a lot of the criticisms I've heard of this movie were that the first act was a little rushed. It was a little rough. It was it was kind of like forced in a way where it was like, hey, let's get every character who's been in this trilogy so far. Let's give them a moment. Betty Brant's got her little like Infowars thing she's doing now. And Flash is selling his book and the three teachers are conveniently there to greet him when he walks up. And yeah, I mean, a lot of it felt forced and a lot of it felt a little baby chaotic i would say but i i i would say awkward is probably the term for it mm-hmm. and that's because peter's life just got extraordinarily awkward at the end of far from home i think mm-hmm. that that was kind of a i think it was done on purpose like a, yeah. yeah i think it was here's everyone peter knows wink wink nudge nudge that might change here's mm-hmm. here's all of these different aspects of his life here's all of these people who have known him and have, and have cared about him and how all of them are reacting to the news that he's been spider-man this whole time and like, you know, how this is affected school, affected, you know, he's just trying to go back and, and deal with his, his aunt's relationship troubles. <laughs> like he can't even get through a conversation with them because there's the apartment is surrounded with helicopters. You know, I, th- I think it was very chaotic and very awkward to kind of really put you in Peter's shoes and let you know, like, just how 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 wacky things are about to get. And then, of course, they they got real wacky before the end of the movie. But then the the second act, like you said, like now it's now we've got the villains. We're trying to we're trying to collect all these guys. We're really, really building Strange's involvement in all this and and how he's going to try to help correct this problem that realistically was his fault. I know we keep trying to blame Peter, but Dr. Strange should have explained to him, like, by the way, when I do this spell, like absolutely everyone, you know, is not going to remember you, including me. And then. Prior to conducting the spell, Peter could have been like, well, I've got a few exceptions, if you don't mind. And we, yeah. this whole movie could have been over in 12 minutes. Um, <laughs> so, um, but then, yeah, the, then the third the third act gets gets pretty crazy with the with not only, like you said, like all of the loss and the turmoil and just like the pain that Peter's feeling. But then the levity that comes along with with the the the, the other Spider-Man showing up and. I don't know about you, but I, I saw it in theater and people were like losing their minds. It was like I was at a goddamn Beatles concert sitting there when the three Spider-Man like jumped out after they kind of regrouped and they got all their shit together. He got they go jumping off of that that bridge sort of thing. And people are like in my I think people fainted in my theater. Like it was it was like one of these things. That it was just it really was magical. Um, but you, you kind of get really, really highs, really, really high highs and really, really low lows. And then the way that it all ends where. Yeah, he lost his friends, but at the same time, like he knows he's protecting them, and like that's what Spider-Man does ultimately is protects people. Um, so that that was kind of cool, and it, it's going to be. I love the reset in a lot of ways. Like it, it is very, very. It, it now makes the next Spider-Man movie instead of like, oh, this is the same old fucking Spider-Man movie again. It's going to be very different moving forward and and throughout this trilogy, hopefully. So I, th- I think I think this was set up in just the perfect way really it was like is the probably the best ending to a trilogy that's ever been um it, it's it's definitely the best of the three spider-man movies which is 
a rare thing you could say of trilogies. There's not a lot of trilogies out there where the third one is the best other than maybe Thor um, and, and arguably Avengers. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was just it, it really just wrapped up everything in Me? such a perfect way, but made it so that you're you're anxious to see what happens next. And it's just it, it, it was just really well done. John Watts just killed it. Yeah, John Watt, John, and for people who he was for me a completely unknown commodity as a, as a director before he's yeah. executed one of the best trilogies really in comic book history. Um, you like, yeah. and yeah, of course the MCU is very tight on their storytelling, but really when you look at what John Watts has to do, he really has to serve two masters, both Sony and the MCU. Bring in threads from other things, like it, it keep the tone of the of the movies because it's very easy to and this is one thing the mcu does well in general is that it's very easy when you have characters popping back and forth between different movies and technically different franchises for the characters not to necessarily feel the same they do that very easily like especially in this movie when you think a lot about like norman and and strange and wong and everything it's he did a great job he executed it executed it amazingly yeah, I'm really, really excited to see what he's doing with the Fantastic Four now. Like having having coming through this, and I think I think we can assume that John Watts is now probably one of the, uh, you know, the preferred directors for Kevin Feige moving forward. Obviously, um, you know, Taika is 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 going to be a big player in the MCU moving forward, and James Gunn. I think John Watts has probably slipped himself right in there in that third slot until the Russos decide to show back up. Um, but it, it's going to be really, really intense to see what he does with Fantastic Four. If he continues to do the Spider-Man movies moving forward, um, I think he's kind of earned himself the right to do pretty much whatever he wants, as long as Kevin Feige okays it. Uh, and, and I'm sure he'll make it work. So, yeah, really hats off to him. He, he did a phenomenal job with this trilogy and this this most recent movie. Like I said, it's it, it might not be your favorite. It might not be the best, but it's it's up there, man. It's up there as far as one of the greatest superhero movies that's ever been made and as far as by but basically by my count it, it puts three different spider-man movies uh, like in the top 10 of superhero movies ever made uh being this and spider-man 2 and and uh into the spider-verse so i will say this as a movie just a movie again endgame is more of an event than just a film but i think this was a better movie than endgame yeah, I do too. It felt like it was a better movie, certainly. Like, it wasn't quite the experience, uh, although it really did come, uh, like, very close to being that level of an experience with with a fraction of the characters and really a fraction of, like, the real level of importance. Like, yeah, the multiverse was cracking, but, like, any of us really think that was going to actually happen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, not to mention, exactly. like, even if it did happen, doesn't that just mean more awesome stuff for us to figure out in the MCU? So it's like... It, there wasn't really like a big stakes for us as as fans. Like the bigger stakes were were MJ and Ned really than than the multiverse um, as as viewers and people who have been kind of following Peter. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to to see what they end up doing with with really just a variety of these threads that they've left out there. For sure, for sure. Um, all right, uh, one one thing that when well, we touched on it briefly, and I, I know there's probably we've probably said everything that has to be said about it, but Final battle, all three Spider-Men. Where does that rank amongst other final battles in comic book movies to you? Yeah, that's a that's oh, a tough one. I think they did a lot of things. Like there was a lot of parts about this final battle that I think served me as an MCU fan in particular, mm-hmm. right? Like so, it's at it's at the Statue of Liberty, which is like we haven't seen a fight scene at the Statue of Liberty in a superhero movie since like the first X Men, and and I think for that reason we haven't seen it 
because it's like, do you really want to be compared to the first X-Men? <laughs> they made that bold decision and they went and they just killed it. You got Cap Shield now on, on, on Lady Liberty, which is like a really cool part of the MCU and something we should consider here in the real world. <laughs> um, but... Um, yeah. And then you've got the actual fight scene itself. Like the setting was cool. It's like, it's like a, in the middle of the, the Statue of Liberty being refurbished. So you've got like all these things for Spider-Man to, to attach to, so he could whip around and all this madness. And then, uh, yeah, you get all the characters and it was, you know, what's funny is that I almost forgot about Norman. Like I, yeah. I, I, I'm like, yeah. Oh wow. They resolved this pretty quickly. And then all of a sudden you see the Green Goblin come flying in on his on his glider. And it's like, hey, can Peter come out and play? And you're like, oh, my God, I almost forgot that this was a thing. And there's still more to this. And it was yeah. I thought it was really, really well done. Like it like it was kind of cool that the Peters didn't all immediately get along and like figure out how to fight together. And, yeah, only one of them has ever really fought in a team before. And he yeah. kind of took the reins and was like, all right, guys. Trust your freaking tangle. We're gonna go out there. We're gonna we're gonna thwip. We're gonna quip, and we're gonna send these some bitches back to their you know multiverse or to the to the universes. And it was, it was it was really really good. And then you get that whole thing, the whole emotional aspect of the end, where, where Tom is trying to kill Norman. Yeah. And Toby stops him, and he's just like the the moment where you see like the angle from Tom, and he's looking back down at Toby, and Toby's just like giving him this look, like. Didn't we have this talk? Exactly. Like, think, <laughs> like, think about it, son. Think. I, my dad's giving me that look several times, where it's like, yeah. I will beat your ass if I need to, but I'm gonna give you this. I'm gonna give you the chance to think you, about yes. what you're doing. That's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what that look was. And then Andrew coming in with like, all right, I'll just throw this this serum at him, and he'll know what to do because of the Peter Tingle or the spider sets or whatever we're calling it. And, uh, and sure enough, he does exactly that. So I thought that was magnificent. And and the fact that he was trying to kill the goblin with his own glider, which was a really cool callback to yeah. the first, uh, Raimi, uh, you know, movie. So uh, a lot of, a lot of cool callbacks, a lot of really cool references throughout the course of this. But, uh, that, that final battle scene, as far as where ranks, yeah, I mean it's 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 right up there with Endgame. It's right up there with kind of like like Dark Knight Rises. Like there's there's some cool Endgame, the cool end battles that that take place in in some superhero movies. But this one's right up there with some of the best. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, do you want to give a ranking to it? You want to do a ranking? Like, uh, am I am I ranking this like uh, giving it a rating as far oh, yeah, as rating? I yeah, I would. No, that's that's um. I was hesitant to do this. I, I'm, I'm going to give it like a 9.9 out of 10, right? Like I always got to leave a little room, but like I can't yeah. imagine even if they filled these little stupid plot holes that people keep pointing out, like even if they made the first act a little smoother, I don't think I would have enjoyed the movie anymore. Like I, the the deep emotional moments, Aunt May dying and then the, and the end scene there with all three Peters and the, and the whole Norman thing I just discussed and like all and that the whole conversation where the the three Peters are meeting each other for the first time, like all of that is some real deep emotional shit, especially if you have any attachment to these characters going back 20 years. And then all of the, the chuckle spots like left and right, like I, it was just like I said, really high highs, really low lows. Uh, it was it was a roller coaster. And like I, I'm going to see it for like the fourth time tonight. Uh, not to say that that's entirely uncharacteristic for me with MCU movies, but. Like, let's put it this way. I still haven't seen Shang-Chi four times. I haven't seen Eternals more than once and never will. Uh, I may never watch <laughs> Eternals again, bro. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what was even worse is that, like, they almost made it worse with the end credit scene. It was, it was oh, like, this movie was Jesus. trash. And now you're giving me Harry Styles. The fuck out bro, of here. <laughs> like, like, the only way that I could see if, if for some reason they decide to hook some part 
of any future movie and you it and it and it it hooks very well into something that happened in Eternals, I may seriously never watch that movie again. And that sucks. Yeah. It does suck. There was there was some there, there was some, some aspects good, of the, Yeah, it, it was it was some good bones, right? That that you could say, but it's just the execution of it is just like, man, if you wanted to make like this Shakespearean story, just do that shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just uh yeah, you're right. I'll never watch it again. I and, and I I just like Lord willing, they just keep that separate from everything else. Like I like I said, like this is just like a section of the universe that I just don't have any interest in. Yeah. And that's fine. Just don't make like an Eternals fucking Thor crossover so that I have to go watch this stupid movie. Like please don't do that to me. Kevin Feige, I'm asking you nicely. <laughs> Plus, I just can't wait to see how they deal with half of a Eternal sticking out of the globe somewhere. Yeah, no mention of that either, right? Like we yeah. we've had we've had a few properties since that movie, and like no mention of the giant being that just tried to crush the earth from the inside out. None, like no. <sighs> All right, <laughs> um, my my rating as far as it, it it's nine and nine and a half to me. Like you said, the ten to me is like you have to do some some ground. Like the Dark Knight is probably the only comic book movie that gets a ten out of ten for me. Yeah, I mean that's that's that was my favorite. That was my number one ranked superhero movie of so, all time before this. So yeah. uh, like, and and it's tough, man. Like you're you're in rarefied air up there. I mean we're we're talking like, we're talking Spider Man No Way Home. We're talking Dark Knight. We're talking Deadpool. We're talking Logan. Like like we're, these Logan are some really too, yeah. fucking classic superhero and, movies. And, and the key thing is like with Dark Knight and Logan, those are great. If you take the superhero aspect out of them, they're still great movies. Oh so, yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely. Um, so that's it with Spider-Man No Way Home. Though before we go, I have you know, I like to give you my theory. We get given a lot of theories. I want to give you a theory for multiverse of madness to see if it comes true. Ooh, all right. The movie's gonna end. Wanda's way too powerful for the MCU, and a lot of people think she's gonna become the villain, she may die. I think she goes and lives in a pocket universe where in a universe where her children are, are actual real and alive. And we never oh, see okay. Wanda again. I think after the multiverse of madness, unfortunately. And she's one of my favorite characters and actresses. We may never see Elizabeth Olsen again. Oh, man. I would be very, very sad if that ended up happening. Um, I mean, it's entirely possible. And you're right. She is very, very strong. I think that they might utilize that strength to kind of bring us into the next phase. Mm. Um, I think I think she, you know, somebody might say some, you know, somebody might call her some name. Like, let's say like a mutant, like a mutant. for instance. <laughs> and, she, you know, and they'd be like, yeah, you know, we don't need any more mutants. And she just looks at them and says, no, more mutants. That's a nice reverse of the House of M, oh. M storyline. I like that. Uh, there's, I mean, there's a lot of reports that Charles Xavier may show up in the Multiverse of Madness. If if the what we got in Spider-Man No Way Home is any indication of how they will bring in things from other properties and universes, that movie's going to be a wild fucking ride, bro. That that movie is going to be like I said, it's it's hard for me to even wrap my head around the fact that it could be crazier than what we just saw in Spider-Man No Way Home. But like it's there's a high probability this movie is going to be significantly crazier <laughs> because there's just so many other properties that they could pull into it. Yeah. Like I just I just saw something this week like they're thinking about bringing Reed Richards back from the original Fantastic Four movie. Like not that I love that character, but just the fact that they're like, you know what? Literally anyone who's ever played a Marvel character is on the board right now. They're like we have Dolph Lundgren playing the fucking Punisher. Like, there's, I would, there's, I would <laughs> not hate to see Dolph for a second. Like, <laughs> like we can bring Nick Cage back as Ghost Rider. Sign me up for this. I'm, oh, I'm okay man. with all of this. Yeah, 
That's crazy. Oh, man. I do want Nick Cage to be the Ghost Rider in the MCU because I don't think that they're going to end up playing a lot of like, I think they're going to end up playing a lot more to Gabriel, like Luna's, like the like the Robbie Reyes type character. So it's fun. Like Nick Cage come in, be Johnny Blaze and kind of like act like a mentor and then write him off. <laughs> you know, like, but. I, th- I think Moon Knight, the TV show, is going to be telling to what the MCU is willing to go with, with like a Punisher and a, and a Ghost Rider and the things like that. Because at least the little snippet that we've seen of Moon Knight so far, it looks like they are damn near Netflix territory with the brutality. And I like that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even if you've seen like uh, Oscar Isaac's like fight training and stuff yeah. like that, like it's a very visceral, like almost like a Krav Maga style, like fight that were it's you're up in people's faces, just like breaking shit. Like, I mean, that's pretty much what the what the his fight style is. So it'll be pretty cool to see if they could do something like that on Disney Plus in a way to where com- they're comfortable with it. And we're comfortable with with the level of violence. I'm like, look, I don't need I don't need people like dying left and right. But like when, when Frank Castle walks into a, a gym and a bunch of Russian guys surround him, like he needs to be able to pick up a dumbbell and beat a few of them to death. Okay. That's how he operates. So you can't like have the Punisher in, you know, like in like, I can't kill people, Batman mode. That yeah. just doesn't work. He shouldn't exist. Um, that said, the Punisher is kind of like controversial nowadays because of they're like, you know, the people use that symbol for a variety of other political reasons so it's like they i could see them never bringing the punisher in which would be very very sad well the um, thing that but, makes me believe that they that they're doing that they just changed punisher symbol in the comics of course they did so yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so because of that you know usually when they make changes in the comics like that it's because they're trying to see what they can do with it and possibly if it goes to the mcu route so That'd be, that's funny. Yeah. And the fact that they did just change it is probably a good sign for John Barenthal. He may, he may yet get another shot at it, but they do that. They do that a lot of the times. Yeah. Like you said, like in the comics, they'll tell a character to come in or a writer to come in and like do a very specific thing with a character because that character is about to pop up in the MCU and they want people to be vaguely familiar with that version of the character. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see how this this pipeline works, right? Like from yeah. the comics, to, it really starts with the movies now and then filters to the comics that filter back up through into the movies as opposed to in the past. It was just, hey, we're going to write, we're going to do a movie based on this comic story. And yeah, we'll make a few tweaks. But for largely the source material is the source material. Now it's like we're shaping the source material to ultimately make it <laughs> movie worthy. For sure, for sure. Well, Bello, I don't know when's the next MCU movie release. I think, and I know the next one is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, but I don't think that's till May, right? Yeah, I don't think that's till May. I think we'll get a show before then. I'm okay. not sure exactly which one, but I feel like She-Hulk has got to be close to done. Um, and Miss Marvel, I know, is hanging out there, but I think those are our next two TV properties. All right, that makes sense. That makes sense. Hopefully, it's a lot better than fucking Hawkeye. Like, see, I didn't hate Hawkeye. I gotta say, I wasn't like I wasn't. No, no, no. I was intrigued. It was definitely the most I've ever cared about Hawkeye, like as a character. Most yeah. of the time, he's just kind of not really there. And I, I thought it was very nice how they tied Kate's, you know, basically like worship of him into the whole Which thing. Which makes from a lot the, of sense. Yep. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting way to do it in the MCU, given like it, it, I guess they couldn't do it exactly the way it was done in the comics. But it was like it was very MCU specific origin for Kate Bishop, which which was very, very cool. Um, and then, you know, Kingpin. I know you didn't. What didn't you like about what they did with Kingpin? Go ahead, because I, I know you. I know you've got thoughts about this. Okay, so especially after rewatching season one of Daredevil, Kingpin there, like when Vera Farmiga's character walked in there and basically was like, "Oh, I have, I have. If you do anything to me, I'm going to expose you." Basically, is what she said. 
The kingpin of old would she would have been dead before she left, got a chance to get in her car. Yeah, it's probably true. And then finally, and then in the last fight scene when he pops up, like it was cool that he pulled the door off the car that they showed his strength. But like Kate, looking at what he did to Daredevil in episode ten of Daredevil when he literally just beat the shit out of him. Him constantly picking up Kate Bishop, throwing her away, letting her come back, throw a couple more arrows at her, throwing her off. Like, he would have literally caved her fucking skull in with one punch. Yeah. And, you know, like, I don't know if it's it's supposed to be an exact rendition of the old one or even if this is supposed to be kind of a new version of Kingpin and it's just not as good, which I would agree. Like, I, I think the version from the Netflix series was was much better, but I think they are kind of making this version a little bit, I don't want to say comic accurate, but they're making it a little bit more, they, they want to make it unique. They want to be able to kind of fit it in and mold it the way that they want. So they're kind of tweaking it a little bit, yeah. but it was, yeah, seeing him and Kate Bishop throw down felt very awkward, like yeah. in, on a variety of levels. Like, I'm like, all right, why am I watching this grown ass man beat up this little girl? If and anything, <laughs> Kingpin should have been what Echo, Helena, and both Hawkeyes had to all combine to take down by the end of the damn show. Or something yeah. like that. Or let, let's see, fuck, it's Hawkeye's show. Let's see Hawkeye fight Kingpin. Like, just leave it at that. Right. Instead, he's fighting Echo, who's getting a show that no one asked for. That then nobody very wants well just either. Be yeah. Like, her character Honestly, was given all right. their performance. Yeah, I mean, she was fine, but like, I mean, I'm watching this show, and like, if this is anyone's first I- encounter with this character, I cannot imagine they were like, oh, you know what? I really need is a whole series based on this. Like, it was like okay. Also, is, is Echo an amputee in the comics, or did no, they do that because the they, deaf thing is not enough of a visible disability? I guess they had to give her a double disability because yeah, the foot, the leg thing isn't isn't in the comics at all. But like. Then again, I don't mean to keep comparing it to the Netflix shows just because they did it better. But like at the end of season two of Daredevil, you were primed for a Punisher TV show. You wanted that thing. Exactly. No, no, that's a great comparison though, as much as yeah. For this one with Echo, it's just like I have zero. Other than Kingpin possibly being in it and Daredevil possibly being in it. I have no expectations for this show at all. No, I also I, I think it's really bizarre that I mean, I don't know. I don't know the chronology of how this played out in the comics, but I do know that Kingpin was blinded by some sort of gunshot Gun from yeah. Echo. It, it seems super weird to me that Kingpin Kingpin is going to be blind potentially when he first encounters Matt Murdock. <laughs> Does that not feel weird? I mean, yeah. I know that I know I, that this is they have interacted that way in the past and in the comics, but it's like it's going to be really weird that Kingpin is meeting Matt Murdock for the first time and he's blind. <laughs> and, and again, they may not use the whole backstory for Netflix. They may just allude to they've had battles before, but I know they he had the same cufflinks on that he had in the in the Netflix series. Yeah. So like, I just wish they would just establish very early on in whatever the next show is. Okay. What is this Kingpin? Is he the same, supposed to be the same one from the Netflix? Is he supposed to be a different version? Either way, it's fine. And then what has it been his relationship with Daredevil? What has that been? Because if it's the first time, yeah. if this is like their first time coming together, it's going to be weird that it's, that it's done in an Echo TV show, like of all yeah. things. So. I would I would like to think that you can kind of do a little bit of both. I mean, those those Daredevil shows took place like a while ago, yeah. right? Like we can we can arguably say that that it's been like five years since we last. You know, Kingpin did go to jail at the end of season three. That's why he was laying low, and he was laying low. That's yeah. why he's like you know he's kind of instead of in his big mansion, he's 
operating in like back offices and shady, you know, districts of, of, of the city or whatever the case may be. But yeah, we, it would be very interesting for him to be blind. And he, he comes into contact with Matt Murdoch and they do like at least make a reference to the fact that like you were in jail. I put you there and haha, you're blind now. Like that would, that would, that would all that kind of be kind of a very interesting little, little dynamic, but you can, you can, you can establish that pretty quickly. Like you said, like right out the gate, like a sentence or two would, would pretty much explain it all. Yeah. But all right, Bello, I've held you up long enough, man. Any last words, thoughts, anything like that? None. Um, not not anything uh, MCU related at this point. <laughs> I think I think I've got it all out of my system. Thank you for this. It's always cathartic. Um, yeah, you can find me on on the Twitter machine at the Andrew Bello. Um, I'm a, I'm a SoundCloud rapper now. You can find me on SoundCloud, uh, the Andrew Bello. I've, I've still only got one song up there, but I'm working on more. Don't worry, they're coming. Um, so that's 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 what I'm doing these days, and uh, it's a pleasure as always, Mr. Hayes. Thank you for having me. Anytime, bro. I'm gonna have to throw you those uh, beats that I made for Fame at one point in time that were Ooh. amazing that just been sitting around. So, oh, all right. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for joining me, Bello. As always, bro. Uh, are you going to be back for the Batman in March? I could be back for the Batman in March. Yeah, right, I'm looking very enough. forward to, to to seeing Cedric Diggory as Batman. It's going to be very weird. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us, man. This has been another great episode with Andrew Bella. We we always make hits together. Uh, we off this bitch. Peace. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Great Great Man.